Our mission is to discuss extraction, processing, business practices, and lessons learned with the established experts of the extraction process. This is Mission Supercritical, a service of Apex Supercritical, the leading CO2 extraction equipment manufacturer. Now, here to navigate our broadcast is a U.S. Navy veteran and the founder and president of Apex Supercritical, Andy Joseph. Okay, welcome to Mission Supercritical, exclusive radio show that highlights the extraordinary individual success story of Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. I'm your host, Andy Joseph, president and founder of Apex Supercritical. Thanks for joining us for our show today. Uh, today we've got Jack Robson, the president of High Desert Pure. Welcome to the show, Jack. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for coming on here. So, so Jack, you're uh, your Apex customer. Uh, bought your system a couple of years ago. We've got some you know experience in the in the cannabis industry here, but started out in a completely different world. Um, take me take me through you know kind of briefly how you uh, how you got into the cannabis space, but more you know where you started with you know, <laughs> all your computer stuff, even a you know, a little bit of time at Apple. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's kind of the that's kind of the sum up there. Is it's a bit of a nerdy beginning, if you will. But but uh, you know, basically started out uh, in a in a software development career path. Uh, worked with uh, you know worked at Microsoft and Apple and a couple of other high tech companies, little companies that you might not have heard of. <laughs> uh, right. IBM, and, Microsoft. I'm, I'm looking at your resume here. So we've got mm-hmm. IBM, Microsoft, yeah. Apple, Cisco. Uh, Sony, uh, you know, it's, these are these are not little companies here by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Um, yeah. Exactly. So I basically, uh, you know, started out in the software world, and um, long and short is about five years or so ago, I was water skiing, uh, and I had a little water skiing accident, and I ended up uh, not just uh, herniating, but actually rupturing a disc in my lower back. And uh, you know, I went to the doctor, of course, and they said, "Well, gosh, yeah, that's a bummer." Uh, that's going to be really painful. So here's some, uh, you know, prednisone and gabapentin and all sorts of random other things that have these tremendous side effects. And uh, at that point in time, we had uh, the medical market active here in the state of Oregon, but there was no recreational market. Uh, and there was one manufacturer at the time of this uh, CO2 extract. You know, it was the first I'd ever heard of it. But basically, you know, cannabis extract uh, in an atomizer and I tried that and I thought oh my gosh this is so much more effective for you know my particular pain at the time you know unfortunately I've, I've you know my back's gotten better uh, in the in the, in the interim and so forth but but at the time um, it was pretty revolutionary and allowed me to get off of uh, all of those other uh, medications with all those crazy side effects uh, and so so at the time you know we had a software company here in Oregon uh, and uh, my business partner and I, we decided, hey, uh, why don't we go in a different direction? Because if you if you generally look at the competitive landscape at the time, there were a lot of folks, you know, dipping their toes into the cannabis world, if you will. But a lot of them, uh, you know, may not have had a, a heck of a lot of business experience, so to speak. And we thought this should be a fairly easy slam dunk for us to get into this space. And uh, we researched the heck out of different equipment that we might potentially use to extract. We, of course, uh, decided uh, to go with Apex, and and uh, happily, I can say in hindsight, that was a really good choice for us because uh, you guys have, have you. always stood by uh, you know, any kind of questions or issues that we might have. Um, and, uh, and that's worked out really well. Um, so, 
So, right, right. Sort of so, right. so, so take me take me through it a little deeper here. So, so 2015, right? So to keep it in context, this was you know three or maybe four years ago. You and your your business partner, I'm assuming, was also in, in kind of IT software world. Yep, absolutely. Yep, he used to work for Intel uh, and uh, also a software developer. Uh, and really, that that was our crew at the time. Is we just had a software development team. So you've got you know programmers, graphic artists, project managers, and so forth. And that's when we decided, hey, I know, let's make a cannabis extract with CO two uh, <laughs> <laughs> extracted from Apex. So right, right. You know, that's a pretty, perfect fit. You know, makes sense. <laughs> Right. And at the time when we got started, um, you know, I wouldn't say that it was the Wild West, but it was much less regulated than it is today. So it was pretty straightforward. Um, you know, we just rented a space and, and set up the extractor. And, and you know, we got, uh, you know, a pretty a relatively simple lab as compared to today. You know, we got a rotary evaporator off of eBay. I mean, how complicated could it be? Well, <laughs> it turns out there was a bit of a learning curve there. Um, but, um, you know, we got that dialed and and have grown a little bit since. Yeah, no, that's great. Congratulations on the uh, on the transition. You know, it's uh, it's not easy, and it, it's uh, it definitely has has its challenges. But, um, you know, did you guys tell me tell me a little bit more about the the business itself when you guys started? Were you, were you self funded? Did you uh, did you try the investor route? Um, <laughs> no, and that's what, been that's been something. Exactly. Well, we were so, we've we've always been self funded. We've never had any investors, and you know, in hindsight. You know, at this point, we're we're clearly nowhere near the largest extractor in in Oregon, and in hindsight, it might have been a, a better idea for us to have gone the investor route, um, because what we see today is, you know, as more and more investors flood into the state, you know, and surrounding states who have, have gone recreational, also, is we're seeing just these inordinate amount to, of money being spent on sales and marketing. Um, so you've got you've got uh, you've got the benefit of you know some of our comp- competitors there, publicly traded companies uh, out of California. I'm sorry, out of Canada. So you can go and look up their quarterly financial statements and and, and see that they're losing. You know, in some cases, one of these companies is, has has uh, lost over a hundred million dollars so far. Um, and so, when you're competing with somebody who's willing to um, throw that much money at a sales and marketing budget, you probably better have some pretty deep pockets to be able to. Um, you know, simply get your message out there and to be heard. Either that, or you need to diversify and have, you know, some slight, uh, you know, slightly different products or, or market differentiators that are easy to easy to cost effectively enumerate uh, to the to your market. Right, right, for sure, for sure. So, all right, so let, let's uh, let's stick with the early days here. The, the you know, so you you, uh, you and your part. What's your partner's name? Kelly. Kelly, so you and Kelly decide you're going to get into the uh, CO2 extraction world, and uh, you know the. I'm guessing you know one of the first purchases you guys made was the CO2 extraction system, just because it's you know, typically the most yeah most expensive. Um, but at the same time, quickly find out that you need a, need a lot more stuff. What other uh, you know what other um, pre and or post processing equipment did you find you, you needed in the early days, and how, how much of that translates to today? Yeah, well, we started out um, with, uh, you know, basically meeting you. Uh, I mean, we were interested. We were researching. We ran into you at uh, Canacon in Seattle. And uh, I didn't really know that we were talking to uh, the president of Apex. <laughs> but <laughs> we ran into you, and you were able to answer every single question that we had. And we thought, wow, we like this guy. He's got all the answers. So that was our first major purchase. Um, 
and then you know from there we got a uh, a rotary evaporator and a vac purge oven and a heated mix plate just to help with the post processing you know winterizing and so forth and that served us pretty well but of course at the end of the day everybody you know there, there's no real awesome recipes out there for making the perfect extract and, and there are so many different ways to make extracts some people winterize for example some people don't um you know and depending on the temperatures and pressures and times that you apply you end up with a, a slightly different consistency in, in the end end product so um you know some extracts may or may not even need it part of that too depends on what you want to do with the extract i mean if you're just looking to make you know edibles or topicals or something like that might be perfectly fine to have some you know plant uh you know lipids or, or fats uh, left in your product versus you might not necessarily care for that out of an atomizer because it tastes a little funky um so it really depends on your approach so we've basically gone from that technology um and uh and and basically added more and more capacity but we still do fundamentally pretty much the same thing it took us about you know, I would say six months to get our approach fairly well dialed in, you know, and, and we've tweaked it a little bit since then, but not done any radical changes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, you know, that's par for the course, you know, and that's, uh, that's, that's one of the challenges that we've seen with a lot of our customers is, you know, that, that six month learning curve generally is not anticipated. Right. Um, you know, in the earlier days, especially, we saw a lot of customers that expected, you know, once they drop a hundred grand on a CO2 extractor, you know, it, it prints money, you know, it just it's, the extractor's here, so it's time to start making money, right? Yeah, it's, um, and, it seems like that was going to be so easy, but yeah, that wasn't really how it worked out. <laughs> yep, yeah, exactly, exactly. So, um, but no, it's good. So you guys are, so, you know, you, you've gone through the learning curve, but you guys have, you know, you've got a, a, a great lineup of products. Um, you know, obviously the the, the vaporizing pen or, or, you know, atomizer, as you call it, which is interesting. Why, why do you guys call it an atomizer versus a vape pen? Well, um, I mean, basically, they're they're kind of synonymous terms. Uh, we, at the time that we got started, that was the most prevalent uh, reference to it in our region, at least. So, really, there there's no compelling reason other than that that's what most of the dispensary uh, owners that we were working with that's what they referred to it as. So that's yeah. kind of crept, crept its way into almost our brand. Almost a, a local Oregon thing, huh? Yeah, yeah, oh, but. Yeah, just a vape pen, you know, and back in the day when we got started, they were all plastic with, you know, cotton wicks and, uh, you know, we were selling into the medical market, selling gram vape pens. Uh, we've kind of gotten a little bit away from that. Uh, obviously, the, the atomizers are substantially uh, different, um, you know, much more reliable than they used to be. And we've also gone uh, more towards the half gram just because uh, in that case, you know, it's much easier to have a... Uh, you know, near zero percent failure rate with a half gram atomizer than it is with a gram atomizer. So, right. you know, if you're trying to cut corners and keep your, you know, your cogs or, uh, you know, down and your and uh, so forth, you got to look at your returns as well. Um, so we do everything that we can to avoid having to deal with any kinds of returns. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. For for a while there, I used to say we we would build our CO2 extraction systems to be brick shit houses. Uh, right. Mostly, so we didn't have to work on them later. Was was the goal, um, you know? And it, it's it's kind of worked out. You know, it's tough sometimes because it can be expensive taking that approach. You know, you buy the right. more expensive components and longer lead time items, and uh, and that can be challenging sometimes competing with the the Chinese version. Um, right. Yeah, on that's that one of the front with. Oh, go ahead. No. Sorry, I was going to say that's one of the things that appealed to us about working with Apex is that you, it was evident that you did take the high road. I mean, even 
looking at like the welds on your equipment they're substantially superior to a lot of the other equipment that we looked at so so that was that you know just made our decision fairly easy yeah thanks thanks so so when you're you know on your atomizer you know that is leaks were you know just rampant uh, when those things first came out um mm-hmm. atomizers vape pens you know the, the plastic stuff that you know the chinese parts that leak like crazy you know you guys obviously found a, a better component was was it hard to source did you get your stuff from from uh from local distributors or uh is it coming from overseas suppliers or you know is that is that any better nowadays than it was back then yeah, the short answer is definitely it's much better than it used to be. The whole marketplace is, I mean, uh, you know, as somebody comes out with a slight improvement, whether that's, a, you know, a methodology or a product, you know, for example, a different coil or a different wick that might work better, nobody's going to buy the crummy old ones anymore. So so right. it's inherently, you know, a fast-moving, you know, maturation of the space. And so what, what we've got um, at the moment is um, – you know, completely, it's completely different, you know, and, and, and going from back, even though it was only a few years ago in the medical space with the cotton wicks and the plastic mouthpieces and things like that, um, now you've got, um, you know, much, much more sophisticated coils and wicks. Um, you know, uh, we went from the cotton, which then sometimes it would, you know, if you got a little overzealous, it would burn, and then that ruined the flavor for the rest of the lifespan of the of the wig. Um, we moved from there into some of the early day ceramic uh, coils, mm-hmm. yep. and uh, some of the uh, uh, some of the uh, um, early ceramic ones. People were worried about due to fear of silicosis, which is basically yep. if there's a little bit of silica dust that might be left in there, you don't want to be inhaling that. And I'm thinking, gosh, thinking back, how many of those did I try that probably didn't have the best manufacturing specifications around it? Um, but uh, but all of that has gotten substantially better now. And now you also have, you know, different kinds of glass fiber uh, uh, wicks and so forth that seem to work pretty well as well. Yeah, yeah, it, it's amazing how fast the, the technology has changed. You know, not only ours, um, but uh, the you know CO2 you know CO2 extraction equipment, but also. I mean, almost every aspect, whether it's, you know, rotary evaporators, whether it's vaporizing pens, whether it's, you know, distillation equipment and, and stuff like that. So, uh, Jack, let's take a quick break here. We're, uh, sure. we're, we're going to come back and I wanted to get, you know, kind of take a deeper dive on some of the technology that, that, you know, you guys are implementing some of the stuff that you're using and, and, uh, and, and take a deep technology dive here. So Sounds let's, great. Let's take a Let's take a quick break and we'll be back in a sec. We'll regroup for more Mission Supercritical after we hear from our sponsors. Introducing 420 Cloud, ignited by MSIG, one of the fastest growing social apps around. The only app you'll need for all things cannabis. Find the latest cannabis news, videos, and stories, ranging from business and tech to sports and medicine. Start your career in cannabis by seeking, identifying, and applying for jobs through our expansive listings. For businesses, 420cloud.com features a full-scale cross-channel network, monetizing high traffic for big data conversion and analytics. Download 420 Cloud now from the iTunes Store or Google Play. MSIG.com is a publicly listed company on the OTC. Symbol MCIG. At Alternative Vibes, our core values of quality, loyalty, respect, and honesty guides us in our mission to help families find peace and harmony through our products and services. Whether you are looking for a more natural way of living, shopping for essential oils, topicals, and edibles, or searching for a path towards achieving your goals, we are your choice. Learn more about our complete line of natural products and solutions at AlternativeVibes.com. Bringing quality of living to life. AlternativeVibes.com. 
Cannabis concentrates have been around for thousands of years. In 19th century America, extracts mixed with other herbs were sold as a miracle cure. Now, Apex Supercritical has elevated the science of extraction into the 21st century. Apex Supercritical is the leader in CO2 extraction, which is the cleanest, safest, and purest way to extract plant oils. ROI in as little as three weeks. Our cost-effective systems are fully automated with an industry-leading three-year warranty. And if we don't have your system in stock, we can build one in as little as four weeks. Bringing CO2 extraction to the masses. Learn more at apeksupercritical.com. Four-week build excludes high production systems. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical. Only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Today we've got Jack Robson, the president of Hyatt Desert Pure out of Oregon. Jack, where are you at in Oregon? Which part? We're right pretty much smack dab in the middle of the state. We're in Bend, which is uh, just on the east side of the Cascade Mountains. So a lot of people uh, you know, from outside of our area think of think of Oregon as that big old rainy place. And, and while indeed it is pretty rainy on the west side of the mountains, we're sort of a, we're sort of a high desert area. It's almost 4,000 feet elevation. And so, so uh, we don't really get the rain. We get a lot, of, a lot of snow and a lot of sun. So it's good for outdoors activities. And yeah, if you have, nice. have a little uh, atomizer to take with you or a vape pen, then uh, more the better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, it, uh, it Bend is uh, also kind of the the epicenter. At least I think it is anyway. The epicenter of the uh, marijuana movement in in Oregon. Um, you know, there's there's a, a lot of activity going on in, in that area. Um, so so let's 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 talk a little bit about some of the technology. You know, we we we've talked about obviously you use CO two, and then you you mentioned rotor evaporator, and sometimes you winterize, sometimes you don't. What what percentage of your of your product lineup consists of kind of you know I'm going to call it whole plant extract or or you know basically as pure as of an extract as possible without very much secondary processing versus the opposite side which is getting into more distilled you know high THC or CBD concentrations what kind of product mix do you guys offer and and what what's more popular you know what we looked really hard uh, and and at, for a long time at different kind of you know, distillation solutions, um, you know, how would we make, you know, distillate or isolate and so forth. Uh, and we decided, you know what, we're not going to do that. We're just going to keep doing the same old thing that we've been doing. So so basically 100% of what we do is we take the whole plant, uh, if you will. I mean, you know, the reality is we, you know, we tend to use trim and, uh, you know, with, with small mugs and things like that rather than the actual whole plant. But anyway, we, we source our trim uh, from uh, uh, clean green certified growers. We grind it all up. Uh, we stick it in the uh, apex and extract it. And we feel that there's tremendous value in doing that. Uh, and so, in fact, we've kind of started steering our branding more to reflect this. And we, we hope to be able to educate our consumers about this as well, our customers, to understand and appreciate the values of a full-spectrum extract. You know, I mean, we all kind of know peripherally about the entourage effect and how, you know, CBDs, for example, are more, you know, effective if there's a little bit of THC involved. But this very same concept appeals to or applies to, uh, you know, terpenes. You know, for example, if, if we're looking at certain terpenes that have the benefit of being able to, um, you know, break down cellular walls of cancer cells, basically, you um, 
uh, uh, you know, fundamentally it, it rusts them or, uh, or oxidizes them, so to speak. Mm-hmm. What you'll find is that when other terpenes, uh, certain other terpenes are, are pre- present there as well, it's so much more effective. And so whatever, the, whatever you're trying to make your extract for, whether you're making topicals or atomizers or whatever, if there is a health benefit in mind that you want to try to achieve, not that we can mention that on our packaging, right? I mean, we can't say, hey, just, you know, this... You know, you can't even barely reference the word pain because that, you know, kind of gets gets a, a second glance from all the regulating agencies. Uh, and the FDA, if they were to ever, you know, regulate our industry, wouldn't wouldn't allow that at all. <laughs> but anyway, right. uh, you know, to the extent that you can um, derive full spectrum extracts and, and bring those to bear, I think that everybody's just going to be a lot better off. Um, and we do have, you know, distillate is pretty popular here in Oregon at the moment. Um, I think a lot of that is because it's been made fairly uh, readily available and cheap uh, because, right. uh, you know, we've had, as we switched from the medical to the recreational uh, environment, we did have some substantially more complex testing challenges to jump through. And so at that point in time, even uh, growers who thought that they had very clean uh, growing practice and stuff, they found that, hey, uh-oh, somebody has uh, showed up as having a pesticide. You know, and we had one grower that we worked with who their, their stuff uh, tested fine under medical, but under recreational testing guidelines, basically it failed. And they, you know, they promised, oh, we didn't use anything, we didn't use anything. Well, it turns out they were... Um, fertilizing their outdoor grow with manure from horses that had eaten plants that had been sprayed with pesticides. And so that caused this thing to fall. <laughs> At any rate, once you, once you have uh, a large batch or a large grow that fails pesticide testing, <coughs> excuse me, then um, what are you going to do? Well, depending on the pesticide, in some cases, what a lot of folks do is they remediate that uh, and right. they can, uh, you know, uh, Technically, it's entirely clean and legitimate to do, but they can remediate that, get rid of the pesticides, and you end up with distillate. And there right. was so much of this extract that was tainted that couldn't have anything else done with that we end up having a lot of distillate uh, running around the state at this time. And the prices are relatively low. So it is pretty popular for that reason. Right, right. So, yeah, so that, that's interesting. You guys actually took the opposite approach rather than, you know, kind of following the pack and, and feeling the pressure of, of doing what you wanted to do. Stuck right. with the, you know, the, the whole plant, uh, whole plant extract or, or full full spectrum, as, as, as you call it there. Um, right. How about, how about on the dosing side? So, you know, shifting away from your atomizers and getting into some of the edibles and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. you know, microdosing is another pretty popular trend. Are you guys uh, seeing a lot of activity in that area? You, you following that as well? Yeah, a bit with uh, you know. There's a, there. We don't happen to manufacture tinctures, but a lot of folks in our area do. We do have um, extract that we sell in what we call a dablicator, basically a little, a little glass syringe, and then with each of those uh, comes a little worksheet so that folks can calculate how to create their own edibles and dose them accurately. Because that's one of the biggest things about edibles is that they need to be accurately dosed and they need to be consistent so that you know you can have a predictable experience from time to time and so you know maybe you maybe you make some edibles give to a friend they need to be able to have a predictable experience too nobody wants to be too high or 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 even the other way not not quite high enough right Um, right and you guys got a you got a great i mean it's it's a simple calculation but you know the fact that you guys have it right on your website is just beautiful that's one of the first places that i saw it i've actually come back to it several times and and you know use it to say okay this is how you do it just to make sure i'm doing the math right in my head 
And, you know, I mean, it's, it's pretty simple formula, but nonetheless, it's so incredibly important to make sure that, you know, you've got, you know, not only, you know, an, an even distribution across edibles and, and, you know, consistency, but just knowing how much you got. And it doesn't have to be 100 milligrams or 200 milligrams. It can be five. It can be 10, <laughs> right. you know. And and who wants to eat a quarter of a cookie kind of thing? You know that's uh, that's an interesting scenario. Exactly. So um, okay, so one of the other products you got that that uh, that I, is pretty unique. I, I know they're out there, but I haven't run across it too many times. Your bath bomb. Right. Tell me tell me about the bath bomb. Well, the bath bomb. Yeah, we we uh, good old bath bomb. It you know the bath bomb is really a labor of love because you know uh, there there are some. St- stores in our region. I don't know if you have them uh, out where you are, but store. there's a chain called Lush. They sell a lot of bath bombs, non-medicated, of course. And uh, basically, we thought, gosh, wouldn't that be neat? Kind of a luxurious experience. And we were thinking about how can we broaden our appeal, you know, to our demographics and, and appeal more to the ladies that are out there, you know, rather than just the more, you know, traditional, I don't want to say stoner crowd, but, you know, the folks that would have already embraced uh, 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 vape pens and so forth, and we thought, right. I know, let's let's make bath bombs. But it turns out it's such a it's such a labor intensive process that I don't see them becoming terribly popular um, because by the time you have uh, you know the the general uh, typical markup that most dispensaries charge in our area at least, they end up being twenty bucks, uh, and so I don't know that. I don't know that there's a huge market for bath bombs. Unfortunately, I think I think that they're a lot of fun. Um, yeah. You know, it's kind of kind of like an all-over, very relaxing, topical, and you know, a nice hot bath is relaxing in and of itself. Um, you know, right. back in so the you, day, so you, you take this bath bomb thing, you drop it in the bathtub, and it, and it starts getting all fizzy, right? You know, whatever whatever makes that. What, what's the what's the active ingredient that makes the fizz? You know, it's a combination of a couple of different ingredients. Uh, you know, you've got baking soda and uh, citric acid and a couple of other things, okay. um, you know, witch but, hazel. But, it, but it's also got THC in it, right? Absolutely. Yeah, it's got THC, and we're going to be adding some CBDs into them here pretty soon. But a little bit of THC in there, uh, a little over 100 milligrams per bath bomb. And so you pop it in the bathtub, and it sits there and fizzes and spins around and so forth. Uh, and then uh, we've added some uh, extra ingredients to help that homogenize with the water, if you will. Okay. Uh, yeah. I know some of, the, some of the bath bombs that we've tried from other folks, the oil just kind of floats around on top, which – isn't very fun because then you're right. not getting it all over your your body um yep. but but when you get out of the tub you know after you've had a nice little long bath with this thing i can't think of a better way to describe it other than that you feel really noodly just very <laughs> okay. kind, of a, kind of an all body relaxed feeling. so like super super relaxed noodly like you're a wet noodle kind of right like thing here right. right and and you know just like other topicals lotions doesn't it's got thc doesn't get you high but if if you got right. a nice, really really warm bath and it starts to create some steam, uh, can you can you inhale some of it that way? You know, I don't think that it would vaporize into the steam. Um, yeah. Fun question, but I think that you know the the boiling point of water is substantially lower um, than any other cannabinoids. So, you know, your terpenes and cannabinoids are usually up around maybe four hundred Fahrenheit versus you know water is two twelve or whatever it is. Right. Right, right. So the so the steam's going to come off, and it might it might be carrying some of those terpenes, so you get a you get the smell and aroma of it. But the, uh, exactly. the likelihood of pulling pulling cannabinoids up with it are, are very very low. Right, right. 
Yeah, interesting. All right, Jack, we're going to take another quick break. Um, you know, we've, sure. we've talked a lot about uh, a lot about Oregon here. When we come back, want to want to take a deeper dive into some of the the pain points. You know, um, in, in their into the, the into the Oregon market. I guess is probably the best way to say it. So let's take a quick break. We'll come back in a couple of minutes to talk about Oregon. We'll regroup for more Mission Super Critical after we hear from our sponsors. Introducing Blue Moon CBD, straight from the bluegrass of Kentucky. With our special nano emulsion process, you'll not only get the best CBD available, you'll get more of it. Not all CBD is the same. It's your body. It's your choice. Get relief from inflammation, anxiety, and stress. Go to www.bluemoonhemp.com and use code HEMP420 for a 20% discount on your order. Balance your body. Balance your life. Make it Blue Moon CBD. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Time to extract more knowledge on Mission Supercritical, only on CannabisRadio.com. Okay, welcome back to Mission Supercritical. Uh, again, today we've got Jack Robson, CEO, President of High Desert Pure. Jack, Oregon, Bend, Oregon, right? The uh, the epicenter, I think, of, of marijuana. Is that true? I mean, is, is, is Bend kind of the epicenter of all the marijuana activities? You know, we'd, we'd love to think so, but not, not really. I mean, I would say that... Uh, probably more credit goes to Southern Oregon where we've had a lot of outdoor grows for years and years and years. Uh, and there's been a lot of indoor grows here in, in Bend that were, you know, illegal before, uh, you know, medical and recreational markets came online and stuff. So there's a lot of old school knowledge um, that we've been able to tap, but but I suspect the uh, Southern Oregon probably gets uh, a leg up on us in that regard. Right, right. Just being that much closer to the uh, northern part of California probably doesn't hurt much either. Yeah. Um, so, all right. So, you know, Oregon is, is uh, you know, much like Colorado, Washington, California, you know, kind of the, the, the West Coast leaders in the in the marijuana revolution, if you want to call it that. Uh, Oregon, interestingly enough, hasn't taken the same same approach as as Washington and, and Colorado. Um, it, it still baffles me. Ohio, you know, we're here in Ohio and Ohio is the 29th or 30th state, depending on how you count it, uh, to, to pass uh, medical marijuana laws. And Ohio chose to do it differently than everybody else, right? There's 29 states, and there's 29 different ways. Um, it doesn't seem to be a model that's worked for everyone yet. But Oregon, in particular, has got some real struggles. You know, now fast forwarding four or five years, um, and and it's a challenging environment. Lay them out for me. What's what's some of the the you know top two or three biggest challenges that you're faced with here today? 
Yeah, well, Oregon Oregon did a really nice job, I think, rolling out the medical program. Um, but then once they rolled out the recreational program, <clears throat> in order to, you know, try to keep close tabs on everything, they they did something that was really interesting, which was that if anybody wanted to be recreational, you could only interact with other recreational you know, partners in the industry, so to speak. So what I mean to say is that if you're a grower or a processor or a dispensary or whatever, you had to choose. Are you going to be medical or are you going to be recreational? Well, and at the end of the day, you know, that's sort of the, the tail wagging the dog, but uh, the sales all go through a dispensary. The dispensaries all want to be recreational. And so that effectively, you know, overnight killed the medical market in, in Oregon, um, you know, which which is unfortunate. Um uh, because the recreational market is much more challenging to work with. And so that kind of gets to your point about what are, what are the biggest challenges that we have. And I would say that it's just, it's very hugely time consuming and expensive to uh, work within the current recreational framework that we have. And that can be things like, you know, working with our, our local city to get, uh, you know, we're going through a move right now, moving our facilities, but, but, we're held to a much higher standard of scrutiny than than any other business. You know, when we want to move into a new building, we have so many permits and expenses to deal with that it's it just boggles the mind. Um, so that's one of our bigger challenges. You know, I would say that the on a larger scale, the state is legislating things in a fairly positive direction, in that they're trying to make it easier uh, for businesses to to thrive. Um, there there are of course some challenges. You know, I know that. Uh, Right now in Oregon, um, there's a little bit of a glut on the market, um, and I, I suppose all the growers out there would probably want to thump me upside the head for not saying right. that there's a tr- tremendous glut on, of the, right. on the market because right. there's there's a there's a lot of supply out there, and um, so there have been discussions about what do we do? Do we put a moratorium on new uh, applications for uh, producers or growers or or whatnot? And so that story is still unfolding and. We'll just have to see how that goes. But I imagine that eventually is going to come uh, into the rest of the marketplace as well, you know, to to the processors and extractors and eventually dispensaries. It just hasn't happened yet. Right. What's the, what's, the, what's the source of the glut, right? So, I mean, I, I, would argue, <laughs> I would argue that, you know, tremendous may not be descriptive enough. You know, when there's, when there's pricing being thrown around of $50 a pound for material, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's missing a zero. It, it used to be 500 and um, right. you know now it's fifty bucks. Uh, there's got to be more than a tremendous glut. What caused it? Where did it come from? Well, there's just so many, just so many grows coming online. Um, you know, there, there's just a lot of supply, and the, and the supply. I mean, while the demand is growing, the supply currently is outpacing it. And so, you know, if and when we ever get federally descheduled, I think that um, you know we'll have a tremendous ability to supply. You know the rest of the nation that might not have so many grows in place, but until then, um, you know it's just an adjustment that happens. We, we've got a lot of um, a lot of growers out there, um, you know, making more right. and more product right. every month. So, so, so almost a you know an over over licensing uh, scenario. Um, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a big difference between, you know, Washington State kind of went the other direction in that they uh, gave out a very finite number of licenses. And so even if we wanted to get a processing license in Washington, we couldn't. Um, right. you know, Hawaii has done much uh, the same way. You basically, uh, you, you basically apply for a license, and if you can meet all the criteria and you get lucky and win the lottery, then you get a license versus Oregon right. left that fairly open. Which eventually is a better place to be, I think. You let the market a little competitive uh, uh, 
you know, tug, tug and pull, uh, take care of it. Right, right. So, so how about, uh, you know, I think one of the other big challenges that you mentioned earlier is the testing side, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the, the complications of, and cost. Um, yeah. Of you know the regulations constantly becoming more restrictive, uh, requiring more testing and dropping in new stuff. You know pe- nobody even talked about pesticides; they were there, but nobody right. talked about them until you know a couple of years ago. And now you know you can't do anything with pesticides, and it's coming from tertiary sources. I mean that's a that's a huge challenge. Right. Yeah. Every time we extract a new strain, even with a control study in place, which minimizes our costs greatly, it's about $1,000 to get that strain tested. Um, and then, heaven forbid, to get a control study in place for a large-scale test, about $11,000. And you have to do yeah. that at least. You have to do that every year for every product type. So, extract, oh, edibles, tinctures. Yeah, so it's it's uh, greatly increased our costs. <laughs> Versus yeah, medical, yeah. but but at the end of the day, you know, customers customers can be darn sure they're not getting any pesticides or other crazy stuff going on, um, right? You know, and and I wish our you know cherries or, or strawberries, raspberries, whatever at the grocery store, could uh, could maybe yeah. say the same thing, but yep. uh, yeah, that's boy, that's a whole other show right there, right? The uh, you know the, yep. the scrutiny in which it has on it is now created this product that's safer and you know most of the produce that we get at our grocery store, man, you're spot on there. Yep. So, all right. Well, Jack, unfortunately, we uh, we are out of time, and uh, I appreciate you coming on the show here today. Uh, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you and or find your products in, uh, in the Oregon marketplace, where might they go, and how would they get a hold of you? Yeah, easiest thing to do is go to our website, highdesertpure.com. You can also check us out on Instagram, at highdesertpure, and uh, there's contact information all over there, as well as some, uh, you know, uh, uh, a little map that shows where you can find us, and we're and it- we're hoping to get down to California here uh, fairly soon as well. So maybe you'll find us down there. Fantastic. And and don't forget about the cool little calculator to, uh, you know, properly dose your edible and and, uh, stuff like that too. Yeah, absolutely. Even if you're not using our oil, use our calculator. It makes it easy. Right. (laughs) Right. That's right. If nothing else, use the calculator. That's perfect. Right. So, all right, Jack, I appreciate it. Thanks, Jack. appreciate you uh, being a guest today on Mission Supercritical. For everybody else out there, look for other Mission Supercritical shows to learn about Apex Supercritical's more than 500 customers operating in the cannabis industry today. Hope you're going to join us. Until then, The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.